It's such a privilege for me to be here this evening and to join with all of you in saying to our pastoral staff, we not only appreciate you, we love you. We thank God for you. Would you join me in expressing your love to this wonderful pastoral staff? I wonder what it would be like to have a life that is pre-scripted. For you to be able to read out what's going to happen in your life. The good, the bad, the ugly. Frankly, in my life, there's some things I'd have left out. What about yours? And to be able or to be in a situation where you cannot vary to the right or to the left, where you discover that you're going to spend a significant part of your life as a homeless wanderer, where you will never have the joy of having a companion that you can wrap your arms around, and just you and them eyeball to eyeball, that intimate I love you where your life is not moving toward prosperity, but rather it is moving toward what would appear to others to be a point of despair. To find yourself not only homeless, but virtually penniless and knowing that those that you have invested your whole life in will, for a period, turn their backs on you. Jesus Christ knew the script before he began to live it. He was born with a non-negotiable identity and destiny. There was nothing accidental about the life of Jesus. The Bible tells us that he is Emmanuel, one of the names used about him. He is God with us, not God above us, not God wandering somewhere in the neighborhood, but God who is with us, with you and with me. And... Uh, He's not the God of the rich or the powerful or the beautiful or the gifted or the spiritual, but he's the God who is with every last single one of us. God is with you and God is with me. And we are all wannabe favorite children of God. God wants every one of us to be his children. In fact, he loves each of us as though we are his only child. That's the kind of love that God has for you. An angel of the Lord appeared to a carpenter by the name of Joseph. And he said to him, he says, you know, I understand that your teenage sweetheart, Mary, is pregnant and it's not your child. Everything in his culture said you need to 
kick her out, get rid of her. You can't endure this embarrassment, this humiliation. She has sinned against you and she has sinned against God. But ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to you, and I think we need to say it often to ourselves in this world in which we live. God does not conform to culture. God bends culture to himself. And someday every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so as God looked at his culture, he instructed Joseph to go a different direction than would have been, they would have been inclined to. The angel assured Joseph that God knew more than he did. The child that she was carrying was indeed the only begotten son of God. It was an absurd, absurd tale. I had somebody come to me one time in a pastoral office and tell me that they were pregnant and it wasn't any human being's child. Been there, done that. I just want to let you know I'm not that naive. The angel sent from God said to Joseph, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, which means deliverer, for he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine everything in his life, everything in the life of Jesus was about saving people from their sins. This is what the angel said. This is what the Bible says. It is his life mission statement to save people from their sins. The life of Jesus was orchestrated by the sovereign God. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't planned on the spot. It was laid down before the foundations of the earth, the journey that he would walk and that he would experience. The life of Jesus was orchestrated by the almighty and sovereign hand of God. And because of that, it could be accurately predicted to the minute details. Just the other day, I came across something, 370 or 365 prophecies related to the life of Jesus. One for every day of the year, you can read them. Written over 400 years, at minimum of 400 years before he came. Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. He is the loving gift given to us by God himself. Jesus Christ. His entire life was devoted to doing the will of the Father. His most dramatic prayer was in the place called the Garden of Gethsemane with the shadow of the cross looming over him. 
he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. I'll do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary, whatever is required of God for me. Jesus made it clear. He made it clear to all of us that he came to speak the words of God, to do the works of God, and to fulfill the will of God. He was not just Jesus the deliverer, or Jesus the teacher, or Jesus the moralist. He was Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, sent by God for a very clear and resounding purpose in all of our lives. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus' life was full, was stuffed full of endless celebrations and affirmations. There was the birth announcement that came about Jesus. The declaration from the angels who informed Mary that she was going to have a child, who informed Joseph that he would be part of this plan. There was the birth of Jesus Christ with shepherds out in the fields being disrupted and the glory of the Lord shining round about them and a personalized angelic message about unto them was born a Savior who was Christ the Lord and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and acknowledging the reality of the coming of the Christ. There was the baptism of Jesus where Jesus was taken in the hands of John the Baptist and put under the water. And as he went under the water, the Holy Spirit of God descended from heaven like a dove. And they heard the words from the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The transfiguration as Jesus took three of his disciples and went to the mountain, and there on the mountainside, high up in the peak, they were joined by historic figures from the past as Elijah and Moses the giver of the law and the prophet of God showed up and declared in the hearing of those disciples when God the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the crowds paving the streets with palm branches, and their cloaks crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The resurrection that we're going to celebrate on Sunday. He is not here, he is risen. Eight words that changed 
the destiny of all of us. Jesus' ascension. As disciples gathered together and they watched Jesus ascend into heaven. And two messengers sent from the Father speak, this is Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven. He will come again in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And then the Bible says, Christ's return. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first when we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with those who have preceded us in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This is the context of the life of Jesus Christ. Incredible, incredible celebration. Incredible joy. Incredible elation. But right in the center of this celebration is a stunning contrast. How can we call this Good Friday? All the celebration seems right. But this. How can we call this Good Friday? It was an event like unlike any other event in the history of mankind. When Jesus lost all of his attractiveness, nearly all of his supporters withdrew from him that day. On the cross, Jesus was the focus of all the evil poison that rests in the human heart. There the world took off its masks and uncovered the true evil venom which lurks beneath the camouflage that is part of so many of our lives. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was full of sorrow. He was overcome with grief and he was ridiculed with mocking and hatred and poisonous darts of verbal insults. Jesus, who never once sinned, was considered worthy of a barbaric and hideous and criminal death. It was so hideous that even heaven and earth was repulsed by what was happening to Jesus Christ that day. The sun above refused to shine from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock on that day. The earth trembled beneath their feet as the Christ was on that cross. God the Father himself turned away. He refused to look on. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a contrast to all the celebrations. Who is to blame? 
Some say it was the Jews' fault. Christians have often destroyed their witness for Christ with anti-Semitic hatred. They say it's all the Jews' fault. Others say the Romans. Blame it on the political system of the day. It's their fault. But Isaiah, the prophet, makes it terribly uncomfortable and crystal clear. He was pierced through for our transgressions. Our revolt against the will and the ways of God, that's why he was on that cross. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was abused mercifully so that we could find forgiveness and peace. Isaiah doesn't spare any of us. All of us. All of us. All of us. Like sheep have gone astray. Each of us, each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Some of us are blatant in our sin. We revel in being a spiritual rebel. Others are more sophisticated in our sin. We are experts at disguising. But I sent Jesus to the cross. And you sent Jesus to the cross. If you're looking for innocent people, you'll not find them in this room or any other room that you ever sit in. He was the only one that didn't deserve to be there, but he was. So when Jesus had so many celebrations to choose from, and we as Christians have so many, Christmas or Palm Sunday or Easter or Ascension Day, when Jesus had so many to choose from, he only chose one. He took the bread and he said, this do in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, drink it in remembrance of me. It is the eternal game changer. Jesus, with all the other things, he wasn't the one that instituted the Easter celebration. 
He wasn't the one who instituted the Christmas celebration. He was the one who instituted the recognition of what happened and what we acknowledge on Friday. He said, this is what you really need to understand. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As Peter said, your salvation was not secured through perishable things like silver or gold, like church attendance or feeble attempts to live right, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblenished and spotless, the blood of Christ. To be saved by the grace of God is to be saved by the death of Jesus Christ. to be saved by the grace of God is to be saved by the death of Jesus Christ. To be saved is to be saved by the death of Jesus Christ. Who confesses that Jesus Christ is God's provision for our salvation? Who confesses to him their acknowledgement of their own sinfulness and their need for God's forgiveness, and transformation. Who looks to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith for their salvation? I have no other argument. I have no other plea. But it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Ladies and gentlemen, as we come and we shall partake in a little while the sacrament of the sacrament of Holy Communion, we remind ourselves there is salvation in no one else except Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can cover my sin except the blood of Jesus Christ. 
There is no one else who is able to be my Savior except Jesus Christ. As we come together on this Good Friday, the only thing that makes it good is not what happened to Jesus, but what has happened to us through Jesus. Praise be to his wonderful name. It is possible now for you and for me to know the joy of sins forgiven, to know the wonder of what God can do in our lives. Because of Jesus and what Good Friday represents, I could stand before a man at the base of the steps after preaching a sermon and him stand before me and say, what do I do? What do you mean, what do you do? I've committed over a thousand burglaries. What, I, what do I do? I can tell you somebody who can forgive that. Walking through a prison yard with a man who looks at me and says, you know why I'm in here? No. I killed my mother-in-law and my wife. I got nervous about that. But I want you to know, Reverend, I'm a forgiven man. I found Jesus Christ in this place. Oh, what God can do in our lives, what God can do in your life, it is incredible, it is glorious, and only God can do it. We celebrate, we celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ tonight because by his blood we can find forgiveness through Jesus our Lord. Would you bow with me please? I'm going to say a prayer, but as I'm praying, I'm going to invite you to pray in your own heart. Christ died for you. That's what Good Friday is all about. Christ gave his life for you, Jesus did upon the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood so that you could know the reality of sins forgiven. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate that with the sharing of the sacrament of Holy Communion. It is made for believers. It is available for believers. But the reality is, there may be some here this evening who have never made that transition of faith in your life. You are well aware of the guilt of your life, but you have never experienced the reality of the forgiveness of God. And this evening, you would like to confess yourself to God. You would like to tell God, God, I know that I have done that which is unacceptable to you. I know that I have sinned against you like every other human being has. But I want to join those who even though they have sinned, have turned to Jesus and asked him to forgive them of their sins. I confess to you, God, 
I have no standing before you except that which you give by the grace of God. And so this day, in this room, I open my life and I confess to you, Lord Jesus, that I need your forgiveness because I have sinned against you. And this day, I confess my sin to you and I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and to cleanse me and to make me righteous in your sight. Father, we just pray that the Spirit of God would touch our hearts and our lives who need you so desperately, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.